Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car, but I had to. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there and welcome to Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Well, have you recovered from last week? I'm not sure we have. Let's bring in the serial killer whisperer, criminologist and true crime author, Amanda Howard. Amanda, how are you feeling after last week's episode? Uh, I think we're still getting the repercussions happening and there's a lot of chatter in the Patreon Facebook group about this case because it's really one that sort of evokes those... um, uh, requirements of, of, of anger and disgust. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone is very, very passionate about this case and I'm so glad that we were able to bring it to them because, yeah, it's one of those cases that I think will sit with most of us for a very long time. Yes, and as a way of recovering from that episode, this one will be a Ask Me Anything. In fact, we actually needed to get a drink each <laughs> to get over last week's episode. Here's uh, Cheers, Amanda. I'll try and clink the glass with you. Other way. Hang on. Hang on. Oh. Clink. Yeah. That was great oh, for the audio yeah, podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a nice one. I went the wrong way, everyone. You did. Yeah, not the first time. Um, so uh, we're going to make this a little lighter episode. We're going to show you some things along the way that you wouldn't expect to see based on questions you have sent to us. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, we will have our news section. So let's bring you the news of the week. And a 75-year-old Melbourne man has been arrested and extradited to New South Wales over a historic gay hate murder, which is one of 88 currently under investigation. Stanley Bruce Early is accused of killing Raymond Keem in January 1987 over a perception he believed the victim was gay. Mr Cream identified as heterosexual, but was one of 88 killings that occurred between 1976 and the year 2000 that were reviewed by police as part of Strike Force Parable for having potential gay hate bias, as well as allegations of deliberate police inaction. Now, Amanda, the arrest came soon after the reward money for solving the crime was raised to $1 million. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, I've actually studied the news about um, offered rewards and, and who actually gets paid out and everything, and there is very little information about that. I know that some people are aware that um, Paul Ungins in the Malak case was offered a, a reward, but he turned it down. But we never hear of someone actually coming forward when there's a million-dollar reward actually sent out. So this is like a first. So let's see if this actually carries through and if the person who did come forward gets paid that because often they don't get paid even if it's been put out there. So it's always
always amazing when people come forward. Uh, it's sad that it takes a million dollar carrot to actually bring someone forward. But at the same time, it's often that these people have reported these crimes earlier, but they weren't followed up because pieces of paper go in, into a wrong file or the wrong person took the call and sent it to the wrong place. So the fact that we actually already have an arrest uh, almost seconds after that reward was released is just absolutely fantastic news. Yeah, well, it's always been my understanding that rewards don't actually lead to um, someone getting that money. It's just a way of getting news coverage. They offer the reward to get it back in the news because a million-dollar prize pool, if you want, for want of a better term, um, often gets coverage in the news and gets the case out there again. I've got to tell you, I find it interesting today's police force acknowledges gay hate crimes were not taken that seriously in the past. This is good to see them trying to make up for that attitude. Well, it's not just an attitude because there is actual evidence and cases where police were actually the instigators of these gay hate bashings and killings. So um, they sort of have a very tarnished history with the gay community. So the fact that, yes, that they, they're doing this now, but they were often perpetrators as well. And there have been police officers uh, sentenced for their own actions during these. So it wasn't just a, yeah, we don't care because they're gay, but they were actually part of, of these gangs of men that would go around and beat people that they believed were homosexual. Mm. All right. Well, let's move on. And an update on a trial we've been following recently, that of William Lewis Reese. In May, Reese was found guilty of first-degree murder in the case of 19-year-old Tiffany Johnson. And this month, he has been sentenced to death by an Oklahoma judge. Now, this story from the Oklahoman starts off with a verdict from County District Judge Susan Stallings, and she doesn't mince her words. There's an old saying in the law, Justice delayed is justice denied. Justice will not be delayed any longer in this case. I sentence you to death. William Lewis Reese sat quietly and showed no emotion as his sentence was handed down on August 19th in an Oklahoma County courtroom. In June, a jury decided the 62-year-old should be executed for the murder of Tiffany Johnston. While he never testified at his June trial, jurors heard hours of his confessions to the killing in Oklahoma and three in Texas in 1997. The victims were all female. The youngest was 12. Johnston's mother, husband, and other relatives sat in the jury box for the sentencing on Thursday. He's not sorry. He don't have a conscience. He don't have, he's just a serial killer. Reese has said he'll appeal the sentence. Amanda, he chose not to speak at the trial. Yeah, because if you put someone like this on, on the stand and we know that he spoke for hours and hours and hours, he is likely to do it again. So it's it's more about um, let's just leave what's all, already out there alone because if he's put on the stand, he's going to have to talk and he probably didn't want that when he wants to go for an appeal because likely he will say that um, his uh, representation was flawed or something like that. So it's just part of the legal process that they go through and the fact that there's these three other deaths as well uh, there's a lot that sort of could could unravel if they actually let him testify so it's, it's not unusual but it's usually just part of the legal circus that hap happens about these high profile cases okay fair enough well let's move on because the detective who led the investigation into madeline mccann's disappearance has made fresh vile slurs against her parents according to the mirror john carlo amaral has repeated his false allegations accusing kate and jerry mccann 
can of being the main culprits for their daughter's 2007 disappearance. Amaral was removed as head of the Portuguese police investigation in October 2007 after criticising British police officers and is currently in a legal battle with Maddie's parents. Amanda, I've got to say, this guy sounds like a piece of work. Uh, okay, um, I will. I will let you say that. I don't think what he is saying is out of line. Um, when there is no mm. evidence of any suspect, though, they currently have their own suspect. And we're actually going to get into this a little bit further in today's episode. But um, I, I think when he has all the in front of him and he has actually pointed towards the parents and as we know most child killings occur within a family unit i'm not saying that they're guilty or innocent i'm just saying that there is uh, evidence to suggest that you know you, you look to the people around the victim and then you move out in concentric circles until you actually get to a stranger killing which is actually very very rare so um i think he's he's a bit of a loose cannon uh, uh, sorry a loose cannon there are police officers in this country that do the same thing they sort of go on out on, on their own and sort of make their own decisions on how, how they're going to try cases but um because of the high, pro high profile status of this case and that it's uh, across countries and languages and everything i think there's so much more to this case i don't believe that he's a vile character i think he's speaking out from the evidence that he has but of course some people will say that um the evidence was railroaded in one way only but we will talk about this a little bit more a little bit later <laughs> oh interesting Look, when you see that picture of Madeleine McCann, it is an image that haunts you. It was an image that went around the world. It's interesting hearing your take on this guy because I was influenced by the writing in the mirror. The mirror was very anti this guy. And also, I could tell just by the writing, was also very legally aware of any potential legal action from the McCanns. So I find it interesting where you're coming from and it's interesting that if he did have issues against the British police which that investigation it's still going on isn't it from them that there, there was talk at one point that the money would be taken away because it's gone on so long and they went public and the money got renewed uh, you know what are they doing what are they doing with this investigation so maybe he's got a point you've turned me Amanda that's good. <laughs> yes, that, that article was very, very biased. Um, and, of course, it's about an us and them. You know, this is written by a British tabloid about a British family. And so, of course, that they're actually going to talk about the others as, as vile and disgusting and, and, and all of this. But I think that that's more just an us and them and, and nothing more, basically, from, from what I read anyway. Okay, very, very interesting. Hey, look, we are about to get you to ask us anything. I'm not worried at all. And hopefully we'll have some lighter moments after last week's uh, very big episode, which was emotionally draining. Seriously, when we were recording that, Amanda, we were all emotionally drained. My wife, Amanda, who switches the show, it was drained as well. We just all came away. And, I mean, we're doing it a week later and having a drink, but maybe we should have had a drink yeah, while we were doing still, it. Um, and, and there is going to be the extra week involved in this once this goes free to air as well there there will be that extra 
out, outpouring from all of those um, yes. listeners as well. So it's actually a lot to still come for this case, and I cannot wait to hear what they all think of it as well. Well, it's interesting you say that because people on the free audio stream through their favourite podcast feed get this a week later. So as we're recording this, they have not heard that episode. But we have had the feedback from our Patreon subscribers and Uscreen subscribers who have heard and seen the episode. So if you want those episodes a week earlier, the easy way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions and subscribe to the $5 a month tier. That will give you early access to new episodes. For the $10 tier, you get to be part of that secret Patreon Facebook page with Amanda where you can talk about everything going on in the true crime world and you'll get bonus episodes. For $20, you get a monthly video call. For $25, you get access to the video podcast. And for $50, you get a one-on-one monthly chat with Amanda. But you can just get the videos by going to mwm.uscreen.io and subscribing for $15 a month or buying episodes for $5 an episode. It's the easy way to see what we're talking about. And especially last week, I think it made more of an impact seeing our reactions to what was going on. So those are the two addresses you need. Uscreen, go to mwm.uscreen.io and for Patreon, go to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. In a moment, ask us anything, not scared at all. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car, I actually. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. So, Amanda, this week we are doing something completely different, and that is a Ask Me Anything session. Now, we did a short one during our live episode way back in Season 2, but the listeners and video watchers have gotten to know us a little bit better, and you've alluded to the fact that some listeners have asked some more specific questions for me. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I have spent a lot of hours... um, doing research and everything for this but you are just getting this on the fly because i know that you are going to love the questions that are being asked for you and you might be shocked with a couple of the clips that i've put in as well but i thought let's let's have a little bit of fun yeah there is there is some seriousness because we do talk about our cases and and they want our opinions and things like that but there but there is some some silliness in here too so guys grab a drink and join us yes and drink every time that uh i don't know what what's what would be before 
before we move on, what would be a good Monsters Who Murder drinking game? Uh, the time, anytime I mention TV, anytime you mention that you <laughs> talk to the serial killer involved, anytime I make a double entendre, although you'd be drunk by the five minutes into an episode. Um, <laughs> Uh, anytime Amanda uh, like, talks about... I like the car shots. Sorry? I like when when you don't care what I've just said and you go, hmm, okay, and you've, <laughs> you've already had a four times so far this episode. So it's like, okay. Hmm. My mic more, hmm, moving on now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sure someone out there can devise the drinking game. But, look, let's get into our first question, and it is a bit of a serious one. It's about Kelly Lang and her missing daughter, Tegan. So, first, let's revisit the details of the case. Channel 7's Sunday Night has more. Did you kill the child? No, I didn't know. I did not do anything like that. In December, Kelly Lane was convicted of murdering her two-day-old baby daughter, Tegan, in 1996. Awaiting sentence in Malawar prison, she's defiant and wants to be heard. No, I can't wait to be able to put something out there from our point of view. Yeah, well... You know, I mean, it's never been offered before. Okay, Amanda, Missy asks, have you corresponded with Kelly Lane and what is your theory on what happened to baby Tegan? Uh, no, I haven't corresponded with Kelly. I actually have tried, but I haven't got through to her. Um, but I also know some killers that are in prison with her, and so I've learned a bit about her. She, she's one of these elitists who believes that she's above everyone else in, in the unit, so she's not uh, very well liked, but then others are totally sucked in by her plight and believe that she's innocent, including some people I'm very, very close with. I've had arguments with because I believe that she is guilty, um, and she's in prison where she, she deserves to be. And and what I come down to is that if she had um, decided that she was going to keep this baby, why did she keep the pregnancy a secret? To me, this is a nine-month premeditated murder. And I've had arguments with, with, with people about this because uh, people do this. They hide their pregnancy and then they kill the baby. But to me, it's the hiding that says that they have no... Um, Intention to thinking keep it. that they're actually going to keep, keep this baby, yeah. Mm. And so that hidden is just nine months saying, and when this baby comes out, I'm going to kill them. You know, that's that's the thought process I see with this. But, I mean, others say no, it's just because she was confused and horrible, but this was like her, her fifth pregnancy or, or, or something. And the fact that she kept it could have been because it had gone uh, beyond the age of viability that she had to keep the pregnancy and go through with it. But, yeah, to me, to, to hide all of that and then to turn up the next day at a wedding or a party or, or something, I don't know. There is a lot of forethought to that, I, I believe, mm. and so I believe that she's guilty but we will go through this case i promise do you know as as an australian this is a case i'm aware of but i haven't got into the nitty-gritty of it and it is actually one i'm keen to get across so i look forward to us doing an episode on that uh for our next case we're heading for another question in the peter falconia case and to get a little background we turn to abc news on this stretch of highway in the remote territory outback, one of the country's most terrifying murders was about to unfold. The hunt for the gunman and the missing male tourist began early this morning after the alarm was raised by the tourist's girlfriend. 
British backpackers Peter Falconio and girlfriend Joanne Lees were driving through the centre of Australia when they were flagged down by a man in a ute. As Falconio steps out to talk to him, a gunshot rings through the night. Joanne Lees is then assaulted and bound before somehow managing to escape into the darkness. It's the start of a five-hour ordeal hiding in the bushes that would turn into a four-year fight for justice. Now, Amanda, the disappearance of Peter Falconio on July 14, 2001, it has divided a lot of the country and indeed the world with suspicions that there is more to the case than meets the eye. And with that, Kim asks our next question. She doesn't believe that Bradley Murdoch, the man who was in jail for the murder of Falconio, she doesn't believe he did it. And she would like your thoughts on the case. Okay, well, I am in a Facebook group called Bradley Murdoch is Innocent, so that might sort of give you some sort of indication, though I'm in one called Scott Pearson is Innocent too, so maybe it doesn't sort of prove my thoughts. But um, <laughs> I think, as as we said, <laughs> that I, I like to infiltrate the, these Facebook groups to see what people are thinking because I think it's important to get everyone's thoughts on it and because it can take just someone thinking differently to actually break a case open. But uh, with the Falconio case, um, there's no evidence of Falconio's death. Uh, Joanne Lee's story changed a lot. We know that there was more to her background that we do. But the major thing, and I probably should have sent you these photos, is that if we look at the identified photo of the person who apparently killed Falconio and a picture of Bradley Murdoch, they look nothing alike. But if you look at that picture of um, this suspect and someone like Roman Hines, who is a uh, convicted attacker in another case called the Salt Creek case, you would see that there's very much a more coherent looking suspect. So it's, I I just, I think that Murdoch is a a scapegoat for this and when we go into this case, because we definitely are are doing this case as well, there is a whole lot to do with the South Australian case that is linked to this one that is very much a political move that saw Bradley being put in jail for a case that he may not have been guilty of. So I don't want to go in too much now because I would I would fill this entire episode. We have a lot of questions. But yeah, I don't believe that Bradley Murdoch killed Falconio. Interesting. But who, who Those did? photos you talk about, yeah. I am going to add in post-production. So while I won't Thanks. see them while we're recording this, I'll get you to send them to me. I will add them in post-production. It's interesting, though, how the media turned on Joanne Lees. And from memory, and correct me if I'm wrong here, didn't they start talking about her sexual past and all this kind of stuff? They really did try to destroy her character. Yeah, they did. Uh, they talked about that she was actually having an affair at the time of Falconio's disappearance, uh, that she was so, so, so cold. It doesn't make and, her guilty and, of murder. And just during all of that. No, it doesn't. I mean, because I'm not sure if we're talking about Lindy Chamberlain here or, or, or not, but um, she was someone else and, and Kath Folbig as well. They, these women are demonised because they don't collapse and, and put on a performance. If they put on a performance, it's going to be something else that they're used against them. Oh, you crocodile tears in instead of hard so um females in in cases like this are always demonized and uh, i think joanne lees has has a lot to answer for but i don't believe that you know that that she hired someone like bradley murdoch to kill her her boyfriend so she could run off with someone else i really can't see that scenario but i think she knows more than she's saying and 
Uh, if we go into the Malak case too, Paul Onion's um, information about who attacked him doesn't match up with Ivan's description. So there is a couple of cases that happen like this in Australia that are such political um, hot potatoes that we actually prefer to sort of put some away and shut everyone up. But thankfully, people are asking the right questions and we are getting further and clo uh, further away from these sorts of juggling acts and more towards uh, the truth of actually what has happened. So basically what you're saying is that in cases like this, they need to find someone they can pin it on, hoping they get the right person. But even if they don't, the public want justice and they want it fast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, our next question is an interesting one, and it's from Sherry, or Cherie, sorry, who asks, which of the serial killers you write to would you be friends with if they hadn't killed someone? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a really, really big can of worms. Um, I talk to killers, and I know they're killers. Kath Surely Olby it's me. Go, I believed. <laughs> I don't write to you because you don't answer my emails as that's is, true so. the only time Amanda gets a response from me whether it's text or emails is when we're doing the podcast yeah when it's like are we doing it now come on come on um yeah so I, I think Kath Volbig is is one that um I I have a kinship with because there is a lot to this case and it's slowly coming out um there's information that has been available since day one but no one has looked at it and, and it's taken people from outside of Australia to come forward and say hang on a sec this is what our ex experts are saying and your experts are actually wrong and they are wrong and their evidence is um, is uh, placed on someone else's evidence that was absolutely disgustingly wrong and three women were actually released from prison because of this other man's evidence. Now, I've, I've, I've gone on about this before and I've actually written two papers on it because it frustrates me that uh, one doctor decided what he, he believed was um, the rules to a child infant death, which were actually is the opposite to actually what does happen. So, Kath, I, I have... Yeah, but a, his a testimony is still being her, used to convict her. Yes, only her. She's mm. the last person who was convicted on this law that has been disproven. She's the final one that's still sitting in prison because Australia doesn't like to to admit that they're wrong. I mean, the Lindy Chamberlain case, again, is a perfect example of where we have decided that um, this woman must go, go to jail because she's hard-nosed rather than what the evidence actually proves. So um, I know I've brought up her, her twice now. I'm pretty sure we're not talking about Lindy Chamberlain here. But I think um, who I'd be friends with, probably Kath Folbig, purely because I don't believe that she, she killed her, her children. But out of the ones that I know have killed and everything, uh, not a single one of them because they're all just manipulated relative assholes um, who are more in love with themselves than anything that they could possibly like in, in, in society. And they aren't friendly. They, they, they are superficial and, and just assholes. <laughs> Jeez, it sounds like our relationship. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> uh, every time I make a joke about myself, that's a drink. <laughs> anyway, the next question is... And just let is... people know I'm not drinking... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so yours I just is not alcoholic. And I'm not drinking. Mine's non-alcoholic. Mm. So just, mm. yeah, because I don't drink wine anymore. Yeah. 
But we're recording this at six in yeah. the morning, and she said, "Oh no, you, we've got to look relaxed. You've got to have the wine." And I said, "That'll be fine. I'll still be on the binge from the night before." But uh, <laughs> joking, everybody, joking. All right. The next yeah. question is about an open case. So look, we really do have to tread carefully. But to bring our listeners and viewers up to speed, here's a recap from Nine News. A breakthrough in a crime which has captivated a nation. Chris Dawson escorted by detectives from a house on the Gold Coast. There were no handcuffs, but his fate was clear. He was under arrest for the murder of his wife, Lynn, in 1982. I'm told that he was uh, calm and a little bit of taken back. For police, it had been a day nearly four decades in the making. Lynn Dawson, a mother of two little girls, vanishing without a trace from her Bayview home. Can we ask you any questions about uh, what happened to your wife, Lynn? Yeah, she left. She left. But two coronial inquests found otherwise, recommending her husband should be charged with murder. I won't make comment. I'm not going to make a comment. However, each time the Director of Public Prosecutions balked, insisting there was insufficient evidence. That all changed this week after a renewed police investigation and the Australian's podcast, The Teacher's Pet. This is a cold case that evokes great anger, sadness, guilt and blame. Unearthed two new witnesses, including a former Dawson family babysitter. I just want to celebrate the fact that the police are listening, the police are doing something about it and we will get justice for Lynn. We're confident with the case. I wouldn't have written to the DPP otherwise. Yeah, that was a big one, the teacher's pet. Uh, I'm sure people who listen to this and watch this podcast around the world have heard that one. Um, what Brianna would like to know, Amanda, is do you have any theories on what happened to Lynette Dawson or opinions on Chris Dawson's potential involvement in her disappearance? And this is an open case, as we mentioned. We, we have to really tread carefully here. Yeah, so um, everything I say is allegations and it's just based on what I've read in the file. I actually have a copy of the file and, sorry, I have, have a dog that wants to join in here. Um, and I believe that there is a lot more to still come out about this case. And I was actually quite surprised that when he was released on, on bail that he didn't sort of grab his, his twin brother's passport and take off. I really thought that may have, have happened, seeing that uh, justice has been evaded for many, many years. But I think uh, when this case goes forward, it is going to be almost legal precedence because there has been basically a trial by media already in this mm. case. So uh, I, as far as I'm aware, you can't listen to Teacher's Pet in New South Wales anymore. Um, I do have the file on it because I know how to dig for files and I found it. So uh, there is a lot of compelling stuff to come. I, the fact that it has taken this long absolutely perplexes me because it's 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 very obvious and clear but obviously without the body that is the major stumbling block and he is still uh, saying that she had left him and has disappeared but I mean all all avenues point to a more sinister outcome but uh, it will be a case that we will follow closely once it actually hits the courts. 
And look, the problem with this is they went back to the property, they dug where it was alleged the body was buried and they found no body. And while this was a fascinating podcast, and I don't think any true crime podcast will ever have the reach of the teacher's pet, it was phenomenal. And what what made it stand out, it was a historical case, but it was still an open case. And, you know, the evidence that came along with it, and it was a real-time manhunt. And that's why this stood out beyond any other podcast that's produced. It was a real-life investigation happening now, trying to force the police into action now. And it captured the imagination of people around the world. It does show you what a podcast can do. Now, of course, this podcast had the backing of one of Australia's biggest newspapers, The Australian. So it's much easier to get a podcast off the ground and make an impact when you've got a paper reporting on what you're saying. So it is harder for independent podcasts, no doubt about that. But it will be interesting to see how the podcast plays into it because... There is the question on whether the podcast um, prejudices the trial. And so, obviously, if there is a jury, that would be the case. I don't think there is a jury on this case, though. I don't know, Amanda. Do you know that? Not as far as I'm aware yet. Not as far as I'm aware. But also the issue that this podcast has created is that the uh, independent witnesses have heard what each other has said now. So there can be collusion there, whether it's intentional or not they can still sort of oh their 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 thought processes can change because they now know what other people have said so Mm. that may fill in gaps they didn't have before which can be um highly subjective and can actually cause more harm than good to the case so yeah uh, absolutely and that's one of the problems that this case would never be back before the courts if it wasn't for the podcast but the podcast could have a negative impact yeah. on the case it's it's very tricky but Absolutely. it's the new world we live in and you know if it wasn't for this podcast it wouldn't be back out there so very very interesting now amanda i believe you've got a question <laughs> well our next question is for you robert so mm. we want to go and look at some um a, an older episode and we'll go from there okay a lot of jokes about Rob's accents, and there has been a request for a Russian accent. Ah, a Russian accent. Mm. <laughs> I thought right, you went to Sean Connery then. As we go to the break, <laughs> as we take a moment, um, uh, Russian. Uh, I want some vodka. I want to see Arthur Shawcross. Arthur Shawcross. No, I don't know what I'm doing there. How does a direction accent oh, sound? Just, just leave it. It's okay. That is Vlad, you, I, I kill you. You, you. you bring me the Genesee River Killer, Arthur Shawcross, right after we take this short break. We'll be right back. <laughs> What's the question? Oh, Robert, and, and it's what I love. This. So Aiden asks, where did Robert get his accent training? Is it formal training in Australia or did he have to go to an international elite school to become so talented? Aiden, thank you for the question. As an actor, it's important to 
transform yourself into the role. I learned this technique at NIDA. That's the uh, Dramatic <laughs> National Institute of Dramatic Arts in Sydney, where I yeah. learned alongside Kate. Kate Blanchett, you might know her, know of her. She's done a few things. Uh, not as big as Monster to Murder, of course, but she's had her own success in a very different way. Now, <laughs> Kate had a lot of problem with accents, and she would often come to me and say, Rob, how I can't get this Italian accent. And I said to her, Kate, forget everything you've learned here at NIDA. Any accent comes down to the hand movement. If you want to do Italian, mamma mia, you've got to move the hands like that. It's almost moving the hands to the speech. Mamma mia, what you talking about? You know? So Kate has said she ignored all that advice when she went on to have her Hollywood career. But I still like to think she holds a bit of Rob Insider. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you guys all make it out like I can't do accents, but I, I you know, give me an accent. I'll do it like that, you know. <laughs> you want American? Yeah, wow, no. partner, you know. <laughs> come on down to the paddock or come on down to the stud with the stud. <laughs> oh, oh, this was a dangerous path to go to. <laughs> oh. Needed a wine for that. All right, our next question takes us to a case in Pennsylvania where the Supreme Court only this month upheld the sentencing decision. Let's take a look. A woman who killed her boyfriend while part of an alien-themed religious cult in Monroe County will remain jailed. The state Supreme Court made that ruling today. The Pennsylvania High Court upholding the 15 to 40-year sentence of Barbara Rogers. She was found guilty of third-degree murder after she killed Stephen Mineo in their Coolbaugh Township apartment. The investigators in Rogers, investigation rather in Rogers, started in 2017 after she shot Mineo in the head. Rogers called police and said that she and Mineo were both members of a fringe religious group. However, court papers say that Minio and Rogers had gotten upset with the leader of the cult who believed that Rogers was a reptile. Geez, we have it all on this podcast. We go from the absurd of my accents to the serious of this. Amanda Allison asks, do you think Barbara Rogers meant to kill Steve or after she had watched a documentary regarding Sherry Schrinner cult? Uh, I really would be interested in what you think from all the interview footage. Uh, well, Alison, thank you for bringing this case to me because I was this far in, into writing up the notes for this and then suddenly it was a week later because I went down a rabbit hole so bloody deep it took a week to come oh, back really? out. So um, what we have here is a fantastic cult. According to Sherry uh, Schreiner, only a quarter of the world's population are people. The other three quarters are alien reptiles. So there is nothing in that sentence I don't love. So I... I I'm really excited to actually go into this case because though it looks like it is a a woman killing her, her boyfriend and it was just a, a crime of passion, we then add the cult to it and that uh, drugs were used and domestic violence comes into it and there's so many other parts to this puzzle and especially uh, Shriner is such an amazing, fascinating study in human behaviour and uh, the fact, um, I get confused sometimes how people can actually fall for what these people 
people do, but it's often the people are looking for answers and someone provides them with what they believe is the answer. And in this time, it is lizard people. That's what happened here. And it is a case that we are going to do. This is why this is a great AMA, because though you're asking us about our, our thoughts and opinions on some of these cases, it actually brings us new cases that we hadn't even thought about doing. And I could do a whole podcast on, on just cults because I, I am fascinated by this subject because all of you know that I have a affinity with uh, with divinity. Uh, that, that That's going to work. Um, and how uh, people believe in faith and all of that. So, uh, and adding lizards, alien lizards is just going to make this so great. So, um, did she kill um, Steve on purpose? I don't think so, but I think that once we go through all of the other elements, we can see that this was probably a, um, a, a cult-related murder, but... The drugs and everything that's involved in this, there is so much to unpack. But I think the response is is correct. But I think um, this 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 cult, which was basically online as well, and to me that sounds even better. So antisocial people can be part of a cult. That, that that's brilliant. And the rest are alien lizards. But anyway, um, I I am fascinated by this case, and we are going to do more on it. Mm. Uh, and I won't take this out of the aliens, but I just love alien lizard people. It's just you know, um, probably the um, US presidency is going to come after me now because I, I love things like this. But um, it's okay. Just give someone else to complain about me when I talk about the US government. But um, uh, It just yes, sounds like they watched the TV one. show V, you know, where the aliens came oh, and 100%. when their face got ripped off, they yeah. were lizards underneath. Yep, and people believe this. And, you know, there's the whole thing about the Clintons and Pizzagate, which just got our our, our um, podcast destroyed because we said Pizzagate. But there's all of these sorts of things that I would love to do because they all sort of link that into that cult behaviour. And I, do, I don't know. I, I love conspiracies. And this was one that literally I stopped writing these notes because for a week I went down in, into this case and did not come up for air. But I got ton of notes, uh, lots of things um, bookmarked and, and, and tabs ready to go because this, again, is another fantastic case that you guys have brought to me that I'm happy to do on the on the show. I, I agree with you. I love a good cult case um, and I always think the biggest thing I ever learnt was it was Flavor-Aid, not Kool-Aid. And I use it all the time. Whenever someone says, oh, he's drinking the Kool-Aid, I'm like, you know, it's not Kool-Aid. It was Flavor-Aid, actually, with Jim Jones. So, you know, get your facts right, sonny. <clears throat> anyway, um, next we head to a very high-profile case of a missing girl. Here is the intro from Sunrise in Australia, which sets it up. I mean, I was just screaming, you know, Madeline's gone, someone's taken it. She was wearing pyjamas, almost identical to these ones. If we find Madeline, then everyone can move on. Yes, this is the case we were talking about before. On the evening of May 3, 2007, three-year-old Madeleine McCain went missing from a hotel room in Portugal. The little girl was never seen again, and in the preceding 15 years, there has been little momentum in the case. There have been multiple suspects, but nothing concrete. So, Amanda, Belinda asks you, you have alluded to this in the past, Amanda, but what do you think the McCain's involvement was with Madeleine's disappearance? 
Okay, it always comes back to um, just something that we actually just heard in that tiny clip. So um, can, can we play it again okay. first, just, just to go through it one more time? Yep. I mean, I was just screaming, you know, Madeline's gone, someone's taken it. She was wearing pyjamas, almost identical to these ones. If we find Madeline, then everyone can move on. Okay, what did you hear? So, <laughs> she says, I went into the room and Madeline wasn't there. And her response is to say, someone's taken Madeline. So, if you went into your child's room and they weren't there, would you believe it, it was an abduction or they've gone into, you know, yeah, their, it, their it, sister's room or yeah. gone for a wander? It's not your first response, is it? You don't suddenly go, someone's taken her. You go, where the bloody hell is she? You know, like, has she gone for a snack? Is she in one of the... Is she hiding? You know, like, your first response yeah, is, well, I mean, someone's she, taken her. Yeah, exactly. Your your daughter... Like, this is a scenario I, I, I would see happening. Your daughter wakes up. It's dark. You're in a foreign place. You've been there for a couple of days on holidays. She would have been totally disoriented about where she is waking up. Um, and she has probably gone, mum, 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 around the apartment. Mum's not there. Go out the sliding door. Mum might be down at the pool or something where she would know that they would be familiar with. That's what a three-year-old would do mm. if she can't find her mum when she wakes up. It's not, oh, my God, someone's abducted her. Yeah. That shouldn't be the first response, and it—that's my big alarm bell. And a lot, lot of people go, "Oh, yeah, but you're in, we're in a strange place and everything." Well, then you don't leave your children alone. But that's a whole other part. We can't take that part away. But the fact that her first words are, "Someone's taken her," I can't get past that. I like I've, I've gone through the file. I have an English translation of the file. I have the original one in, I will say Portuguese, but I think they speak Spanish. But someone will correct me anyway. Um, but there is so much to this case, and there's so many other people that were staying in, in this hotel that should be suspects that were sort of dismissed and, and all of this sort of stuff. And there was a girl that was seen being carried by a man that was found not to be her. But going back to that very first moment, she didn't go and toss rooms because the ha the, the I've, I've seen photos of the whole in, entire apartment. She, she didn't like sort of go looking under beds or anything or call out or, or ring her husband down by the pool and say, come back, I can't find her. That's that's where you start. You expect that a little girl has just gone walkabouts. Yeah, and that's I, why I, police, I 100 percent um, agree with you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just I get passionate. Oh God, that this is going to be a four-hour episode. I can see it now, and I've only got one glass of wine. Uh, but yeah, I just it, it just gets me back to that point that. Um, it, the, the response from the mum is not a typical response. We don't often have typical responses, and I get that too. But that's where we need to start the investigation is that sentence. If I was to give her the benefit of the doubt, I might just put it down to that's what she's saying in hindsight. Maybe. Yeah. No. Maybe. Okay. But, um, Rob's theory, I, out the window. Yeah, that's yeah. a drink for everyone. When Rob yeah. gets a theory that's completely wrong... <laughs> Have a drink. All right, next we have an interesting question. So let's play the clip before we ask it. Good morning. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. May I speak with you? <laughs> okay, I'm trying to get the, uh, uh, the context here. Amanda, Jamie wants to know what you do for a day job. <laughs> 
thought it was about your favourite film or something like that. No, well, that's what I I think I do. So you know, that's that's how I feel my life goes when you know I'm cleaning up and I find under my laptop a letter from a serial killer and stuff like that. I have serial killer stuff everywhere in in my house. It's chaotic most of the time. Um, but people like to know what I do for a day job. I'm actually um legally not allowed to tell you guys what I do for a day job. I will tell you that it's a it's a government job. Um, I am a one of that does my job. So that this is why I do like 40, 60, 80 hour a week sometimes because no one else can do what I do and COVID makes my job uh, 10 times busier. So that's all I'll say. Um, but it does lend to what I do here, but I'm actually not allowed to discuss what I do. That's that's the premise that I have promised my day job um, when I do this, that my two worlds don't combine because sometimes I do do media interviews at my day job um, and they know I'm doing that and they know I'm not talking about them and that's just a, a thing I had to sign so I can't actually tell you guys some of you do know um because some of you know me like outside of this world but yeah sorry sorry Jamie I'm not telling (laughs) (laughs) well our next question is about Kathleen Folbig who's been covered a few times already uh we've even covered her on previous podcasts but Nine News covers some of her recent court hearings let's take a look her red hair now entirely grey, Kathleen Folbig ready to talk about her four children in court for the very first time, giving evidence 16 years after she was jailed for killing them. You were directly responsible for, for their death by smothering them. No. Folbig quizzed by the state's top prosecutor, Chris Maxwell QC, about those diary entries, one in which she wrote she left with a bit of help. Well, one of the closest places you've come in the diaries to admitting your guilt. I say it's me admitting how badly responsible I felt. And I will always feel that way. She painted a picture of a woman depressed and struggling when she wrote, wouldn't have handled another like Sarah. She saved her life by being different. Sarah, I felt at the time that I didn't handle very well. I was constantly doubting my ability as a mother. Folbig spoke confidently at times, verging on defensive, until she was asked about a diary entry in which she spoke of being scared to be alone with one of her babies. It was then she dropped her head and cried. I'm expressing the fear that I was scared to death of finding my child not alive. Sharon asks, what's happening with the Kathleen Folbig case? Is there any news? Now, I know you asked Kath about these diary entries well before this case went to the judiciary review. What did she say to you? Okay, well, I'm going to reread this, guys, so I get it correct. So um, there was one um, compelling entry where what she said was uh, that she hoped that uh, Laura wouldn't leave me like Sarah did. So um, she then writes that, I know I was short-tempered and cruel sometimes to her, and she left with a bit of help. Now, that is what convicted Kath Folbig for these cases. So I actually asked her directly about this. I said to her, this is what it says. This is what the the press is saying. This is what the court transcript says. What, What is your 
response to this and this is and this is her her response to me i was cruel to her i admit thoughts of frustration over how to help her when was incessantly crying as babies sometimes do not harmful thoughts but thoughts of leaving then guilt at leaving the room let alone walking outside all originating from total and utter exhaustion feelings of abandonment by my husband and extreme pressure of the picture i had of having me to be the perfect mother wife and person my utter inconsolable guilt and not being able to save her siblings or even see something wasn't quite right my mind was scrambling for an excuse or reason a justification for all of my failings as a mother and the pressure from the others already gone so they are her, her words and that is that she was talking about that these babies babies are dying and she is failing them so and and now one of the babies was found when the husband was with the baby so i mean she wasn't standing over these children and finding them all of the time there is uh, forensic evidence that proves that two of them had heart defects uh, and a third one had another congenital illness that comes from the paternal side so um there's all of this that ha has been available since day one that they refuse to admit as evidence instead going for the ron meadows law about the um, multiple children do not die of sudden infant death syndrome which is now called something else um, in one family and in fact it's actually been proven that um, if you lose a baby to SIDS it's more likely that your others have a higher risk whereas mm. he said the opposite and so she was convicted on that opposite thought so um, to ask her, her this outright she didn't have to respond she could have said whatever she wanted but she said to me I'm so glad you're asking this let's be open and honest and put it out on, on the table so that is her words from her um, I I've spoken to her on on telephone calls too and we have some of that that we're not playing here um but she actually just wishes someone would actually take up this plight and and thankfully people have since then but currently it's sitting stagnant because again the australian uh, judicial system does not like to um say that they're wrong when other people on the same evidence have been um since um exonerated so yeah um it's a case that i will continue to fight i've actually got letters from kath that are waiting for me to collect but i'm in lockdown so i can't actually go and get them it's driving me mad because i want to see what she's written because there will be hundreds of pages by now i'm sure but um we will bring you an update on that case too and i have told her that i want to bring the case on here and blow it wide so that might be something that we do in the future as well wow Okay, uh, this is fascinating. And Australian media are still covering the case. I think it was on 60 Minutes Australia over the weekend. Um, this yes, is yes. A, yeah, this is a big one that people in this country are fixated with, and it's a big one. Uh, I think you've got another question, Amanda. Should I be worried? <laughs> I do. I should really learn to look at my script beyond what I've just said. Um, so, Robert, next question for you. <laughs> Sorry, because I expected it to be to me. It's usually the opposite way around. But let's see a bit of background before I ask the question. Okay. You know, Scanner Screen viewers, I've said to myself, Rob, what's it like to go to a girls' school? And today we're at St. Patrick's College. You might have seen them on Countdown Revolution to find out. So let's go across. Here we go. Well, I've decided we're going to go and ask some of these girls, what's it like to go to a girls' school? Are you a singular sex school? So we're going up here. This is the gate. No trespassers allowed, but that's never stopped us before. Here we go. We're going up here. Look at it. Look at the looks we're getting already. Here we go. Out we come. I think they're pretty damn pleased to see us. G'day. We were just wondering, what's it like to go to a girls' school without boys? <laughs> Look, we have, you know. <laughs> Here we 
have the substitute for boys in school. Isn't that amazing? Bert and Ernie. <laughs> I don't think Bert and Ernie are going to help them. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to show this example of Robert doing a 17-year-old female Westie or Bogan or whatever you'd like to use female. as a term. And that's us illegally going into a school. I'm there behind camera. Mm. Um, we went into a school, caused a massive riot. They tried to get us to go to have the office and Rob went, no. <laughs> So it's definitely something that we should probably put up on the Facebook group just to show people that whole entire thing because it is absolutely crazy. And this woman comes out and puts her hand over the camera, which is Robert's shining moment. But anyway, Mary, one of our um, our highest patron subs, asks, come on, Robert, really, where's your training coming from with all these accents? <laughs> well, what I love about that is I was 17 and still hadn't gone through puberty, obviously, uh, because the voice was so high. And <laughs> And I spoke like the I spoke like a real Westie. Um, <coughs> my voice has certainly changed over the years, that's for sure. But when this clip was coming through, I it's funny you talk about the the nun. I actually clipped that up as well, Amanda, so we could have a look. Let's show everyone what happened. So we went through, and and this was not planned. We literally uh, just went to this school. We decided to, and it just happened to be on a day where they weren't wearing a school uniform. It was a mufti day, and they, um, so that was a strike against us. But we ended up back at the round, around the back of the school, and this is what happened. So if you had the choice, you'd be off to a guy's school, well, a school with guys tomorrow. Yes! Sorry, what was that? More like their locker room. <laughs> Oh, we have a teacher, finally. We're just trying to find out what it's like to go to a girls' school. Who's permission? Uh, we don't have permission. Have the office, please. Okay, that's fine. We're officially being thrown off. It's taken the... I it's... told you to go to the office. Yeah, we're going. We're being thrown off. Oh, there you are. Are you going? Oh, well, we're being thrown off here with a few people following us. The old dragon. Where's the old dragon gone? <laughs> oh, she's gone. So I'm telling you, thank you girls, you've all been lovely. Um, uh, thanks a lot. Yeah. We're going. Guys, I told you to go to the office. Well, we were just going straight out. We've just been thrown off the premises, uh, a bit of a dragon. Now we may have some stuff there where we've just got audio. That's because she put her hands over the camera and over the lens cap. And uh, just last waves to people over there. <laughs> oh God, I didn't have a care in the world, did I, Amanda? <laughs> no. And the funny part is, is that we went from there to the local police station and interviewed them as well. I mean, yeah. they, they could have sort of put that case together if they really wanted to, but um, it went down in, in folklore at St Pat's as, as far as I remember. So. I still talk about it <laughs> 30 years later. 
They don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I find interesting is you're happy to show me as a young uh, housing commission yep. boy with my high-pitched yep. Westie accent. None of you. So I think in the next Ask Me no. Anything, and I went to try and find you hosting and I couldn't find those clips. You've got them. So uh, yep. <laughs> we're going to show you hosting Scanner Screen with me. I think we need to see some clips of that in the next video. What do you reckon? Oh, I was thin and beautiful then, so absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's amazing how well, so. yep. things change. And I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. <laughs> you know, like, um, uh, you know, I, 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 it's, I've got a completely different accent now. Completely different. And uh, as I said, gone through puberty. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I think that brings us to this to the end of this edition of Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. We've talked some serious stuff. We've had a few laughs along the way. And thank you for all the feedback regarding our last episode. As we said, it was emotionally draining. So hopefully we've had some lighter moments this time. Amanda, you are such an insight. And thank you for your ongoing insight, uh, to use the word insight multiple times, because you've got such insight. I got lost in my own circle there. Um, <laughs> You, we need to do one of these each season. I think this has been fascinating. So I love a 911 call. I love our profiles. I really think we've got a good uh, uh, balance here of different cases. So I look forward to finding out what we've got in store next week right here on Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.